Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, your podcast for what um, feels like the end times. No, that's a different (laughs) podcast. Well, welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and every week I bring you a story about cool people in history, except today. Sophie, did you know that today is the extra special Halloween fiction special? Um, I, I did because I asked you to do it. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> this we Today's episode is so special. It's a special twice, the extra special Halloween fiction special. It is definitely not a filler episode because no. we ran a three-parter. Not oh, no. at all. But it, but it is special, special, is what you're saying. Yes, it's extra special. Cool. Cool. And today I have an extra special guest. Sophie, do you want to guess who, guess, guess who it is? <laughs> I kind of I blew that one. Oh, uh, since it's a filler episode, I'm pretty sure it's fucking me. <laughs> Yay! Today we have the Webby Award winning oh, Sophie Lichterman on as our guest. Sophie, how are you doing? <laughs> you really love to introduce me like that. It's so funny. I'm doing well. It's Halloween. Anderson looks great in her Halloween costumes. I have a bunch of candy that probably no kids are going to take, but I will leave it out for them anyways. How are you, Margaret? I'm good. It has just occurred to me that there is a small, a close to zero but non-zero chance that some neighborhood kid is going to walk up the long gravel driveway to my house. I hope that doesn't happen. I it mean, didn't occur to I me. mean, you'll know because Rintra will inform you, and then you that's can true. just hide. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Or I'll give them like a can of soup. I mean, honestly, oh, freeze dried. The weirdest thing kids have probably gotten on Halloween. Ammunition. I could give them. Ammunition. I grew up in Los Angeles, oh, okay. and you would and you would go to a house, and they'd like give you like a toothbrush or something. So, <laughs> or they'd be like, "Here's a sugar free, gluten free, soulless." Yeah, they're like, "We don't believe in candy in this household." Here mm-hmm. is this thing that you definitely do not want seven-year-old me but um go off yeah so i mean a can of soup sounds lovely compared to that yeah i could uh some of them are fruit i have like canned fruit that's sugary sugary there you go you've you've done it there was there was there was the year that this person like ran out of candy and then they just started like giving people like touching with their hand i have like a very bad memory of it what they would like handfuls of like cereal they had in their house but it wasn't even like like a solid like sugar cereal it was like the kind that you were it was like the kind that you were like mom how dare you buy this oh like the ones that are basically granola or whatever no it was like it was like it was like you were eating like bark like tree bark it was that bad 
Um, and they oh, were like, okay. I ran out of candy. Here's some tree bark that I've touched with my hand. So all I'm saying is soup, not bad. Canned fruit, not bad. Somebody's old, not delicious cereal that they've touched with their hand, very bad. Okay, good to know. A couple rounds of 223 or a can of soup. People can pick. There you go. Solid <laughs> option. Yeah. And then the cops will I'll be like, oh, look, you have a nice outfit. You're dressed up like the police. <laughs> and, then, and then it's actually them. And then oh, no. And then, and then Halloween's really scary. I know. Just like the, the Frankenstein's monster who came to the door earlier where I thought it was a costume. Um, mm. But then it wasn't a costume. Oh, yeah, that happens. Well, Sophie, today yes. is, okay, it's Halloween for us, but for everyone else, it's two days after Halloween, Ooh. which is even spookier. And so I was thinking, I was thinking, why don't I read us a ghost story? I mean, I would love that because I've asked you to do it, but, yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Well. Fortunately for you, both the you in the singular Sophie Lichterman, today's yes. guest, and the greater you, plural, which is the original uh, reason for the use. word you. Yeah, and for, for yous or y'all, fortunately for you, I have written such a story. And I'm even on tour right now, temporarily at my house, reading people stories from my book of stories called We Won't Be Here Tomorrow. Oh my gosh, is is that published by one AK Press and can people buy it? It is. It is available. And if you want to hear a story from it, that's what I'm going to read today. Love that. Margaret was in town for her book tour and she read another story about a witch that was also really amazing. And so I'm just going to plug that. So you should buy Margaret's book so you can read that story as well. So it was really yeah. good. Really enjoyed Lots of it. spooky stories. Usually, I basically just protagonize all the witches and such. You'll well, yeah, shocked. I mean, you were no. reading the witch story, and I was like, Mark, is, is this about you? <laughs> I was like, this is, li- this is a little bit about you, right? <laughs> it's not not. And then you were in the middle of reading, and you went, oh, I guess this is kind of a little bit about me. <laughs> and I love that. My favorite thing about going on this tour is, like, realizing what's... um the weird subtext of all of these stories. You're like, oh, I did that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to read this story, and Yay. you can feel free to, to interrupt as you, as you wish. This story is called It Bleeds, It Burrows, It Breaks the Bone. The land was beautiful, though the house was not. The house was as decrepit as only a house made in the 80s could be. Carpet, paint, and mold. Too big, too empty, Sarah Nails herself was as decrepit as only a girl made in the 80s could be. Skin, teeth, and aches. Too small, too empty. The land was an endless field of snow with pines like iron bars, pines like a cage. 20 minutes to a neighbor, an hour to a store, three to a city. That was Minnesota. The feds might not find her in Minnesota. They might not break her. They might not bind her. They might not throw her into a prison full of men. Trans girls arsonists, they belong in prisons full of men. Sarah watched the road through the window, the one over the desk, the one framed in spiderwebs and dead flies. Nothing ever came up that road, nothing but Darnell, once a week, with groceries. It bleeds, the walls of the house said. Not now, Josephine, Sarah whispered. You just, bur- you just went from <laughs> groceries to wall bleeding so quickly. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're grocery shopping. Got it. What did we buy? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. walls are bleeding. Continue. Enjoying. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, not now, Josephine, Sarah whispered. It burrows, the walls said, louder now, more insistent. Please, not now. It bleeds, it burrows, it breaks the bone. Sarah put her hands to her face, holding back tears. Not now. Later, the house said, when you sleep, when you dream, when it bleeds, when it breaks. Yes, Josephine, we'll talk tonight. I look forward to it, the house said. Sarah, in her despair, did too. The bedroom faced west, and the setting sun cut in through the window, onto the bed, and onto Sarah. 
No blankets, just sheets and a cranked-up thermostat. It wasn't even 4.30, a few days from midwinter, the sun scarcely bothered to rise at all. A poster hung from a single thumbtack lost among decades-old show flyers and political screeds. In photocopied high contrast, three punk women with 90s hair posed with guitars. Under it, cursive script read, We don't have to win, we just have to survive. Sarah had always wanted to win her whole life. She'd set that compound in Virginia on fire in order to win. She'd killed two neo-Nazis with little more than a gas can and a kitchen timer. She'd wrecked thousands of hours of their planning, plotting. A million-dollar arsenal gutted and twisted by flame. Sophie, the the thing about killing Nazis is that it's a net gain of human life. Mm -hmm. The other thing about killing Nazis is that for some indiscernible reason, it's illegal. Oh. Yeah. Is it it probably because a lot of them are making up the laws and enforcing the laws? Yes, uh, that that probably the um, the Nazi uh, what's it called when people tell lawmakers my brain doesn't work. It's Halloween. Yeah, I don't know where lobby. you're going with this. The I'm, Nazi lobby. There you go. They're very powerful. I'm saying this if I'm being sarcastic, but no, I think you're actually just sort of right. Friends within her movement found friends within an allied movement, who found friends within a third movement, and those friends hid her in Minnesota. The people who were hiding her didn't know why they were hiding her. They didn't want to know, which is what friends of friends of friends are for. They hired someone to look after her, to show up once every couple of weeks with food and hormones and whatever she needed. And that was it. That was her life now, hiding, running, Minnesota. Under the posters in the bedroom sat a chair, an ugly chair, steel-legged and upholstered with cracked vinyl. On the chair, her notebook. Nothing but tallies in that notebook. Days, 24 hours reduced to a single tally. Her life was reduced to the passage of time. Now, Sarah, the house asked. Now is fine, Josephine said. The ghost appeared in the doorway. She was hazy, only distinct, wherever Sarah focused her attention. Sarah had read the news reports. Almost 20 years back, Josephine DeClaire had disappeared at age 39, presumed dead of exposure somewhere in the pines. Search teams hadn't tried very long, and they never found a body. Survived only by an aunt and a cousin. The aunt had since died. The cousin, an environmentalist, inherited the house and donated it to the movement. Sarah wasn't the first person who'd been on the run at Josephine DeClaire's house. Now, Sophie, if you were stuck at a Mm -hmm. house in Minnesota, and you needed something to eat, Mm -hmm. what do you think? What would keep you going through those cold winter nights? Potatoes. That's right, Sophie. Potatoes. Potatoes. If you, dear listener, are on the run for murdering Nazis, and I I know at least 20% of you are, potatoes are your best friend, except for the fact that you can't eat them raw. This is the single biggest downside to potatoes, which is why we're also sponsored by ovens. Mm. Eating food before you eat it. The concept of ovens, like energy efficient ovens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like not just being someone who eats cold chili out of a can, but someone who eats warm chili out of a can. You can you can make your life that much better by heating your food before you eat it. I mean, yeah, yeah, solid point. It's like getting your mattress off the ground. It is an important step in the development of a person. Is Are you saying it's time for an ad break? Is that what's happening here? Yes. Ah! Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. 
because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back from those ads. And the pines aren't angry, Josephine said from the doorway. Straight black hair framed her beautiful face. She had crow's feet and green eyes that were always wet with tears, and she had the smallest mouth, a doll's mouth, a mouth Sarah longed to kiss. What, they're not angry, they're just disappointed, Sarah asked, trying and failing to get herself or the ghost to laugh. They're dispassionate, Josephine said. They suffer, they sorrow, but they do not speak. I'm tired of riddles, Sarah said. Tell me a story. Tell me about yourself. Tell me how you lived, how you died. You think I'm not real, Sarah Nails. You think I'm in your head. I can't tell you about myself because you wouldn't believe me. Then why can I see you? Two years is a long time to be by yourself, Josephine said. It isn't, it isn't. Sarah, on the bed, started to cry a little. I wish you could hold me, she said. I wish I could too. Tell me about the pines then. Tell me about dispassion. It bleeds, Josephine said, her countenance wavering in the last light of the day. It burrows. It breaks the bone. That's the hard part about dating a ghost, Sophie. Right when you said it burrows and then you did mm-hmm. that pause, the one of the lights in my studio flickered and went out. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying the vibe, the vibe is there. Yeah. Yeah. And we had actually a different guest on, but something mysterious happened in the middle of the first take at trying to record this. And um, mm. for legal reasons, we can't discuss yeah. But hopefully that won't happen to Sophie. Yeah, I mean, the lights are flickering. We don't know. Yeah. 
This is not a bit. The lights are actually flickering. <laughs> <laughs> My part's a bit, but Sophie's part is not a bit. It'll be so, fine. Um, everything's It'll great. Be fine. Um, I'm not worried. Yeah. People ask my Halloween plans, and I was like, I've been on tour. My Halloween plans is to sit in my spooky house in the woods by myself, watch movies. I know. You deserve that so much. I'm so excited replacing driving time with uh, sleeping, Um, which it turns out if you do while you're on tour, if you replace the time that you're driving with sleeping, um, you crash. Yeah. This is really fun and clever to interrupt my own story like this. Yeah, I'm like, Margaret, you're going on a tangent. It's your own story. I know. I know. Sarah didn't even bother trying to sleep at night anymore. Whenever she slept at night, she dreamt of police raids. Different every time. But every time she was dragged away in handcuffs or shot in the back as she ran or shot in the front as she fought or subject to things worse than violence. So she was awake, sitting in the cold vinyl and steel chair, reading trashy romance when the wolves came. The same pack of seven, two parents and their children. They circled the house counterclockwise, silent. Ten nights in a row, and they were always silent. She put down the book and went to the kitchen. Darnell? Before she moved to the house in the pines, Sarah hadn't held a landline in ten years at least. Yep, a voice said on the other end of the line, distant and tinny, He was talking to her by speakerphone, like always. Can you come a few days early? I'm running low. Damn, girl, how'd you eat ten days of food in five? Darnell always accented the word girl when he was talking to or about her. A lot of cis people did that. It was sweet, and it was irritating in equal measure, like Darnell himself. I gave it to the wolves, Sarah said, mumbling. You did what? I... They were hungry. They're outside my house. They howl like the wind, and they pad, and they plod, and they were hungry. And now, yeah, Darnell said, yeah, sure. Can you bring extra meat? Anything, a couple of pounds at least. I'm not sure this mental health sabbatical is doing you good. Listen to me, the house said. Not now, Sarah said. Company is coming. We'll talk tonight. Listen to me now, Sarah Nails. What? She put down her quilting and turned her attention from the snow falling outside. Josephine wasn't there. She could talk anywhere in the house, but she usually only appeared in the bedroom. Only to watch Sarah as she slept and as she didn't sleep. It's why Sarah slept in that room. Under the house, a tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, a path. Beyond the path, a lake. On the lake, a boat. Across the lake, a bike. A bike lays open the world. There's no tunnel, Josephine. I've been over every inch of this house. Under the house, a tunnel. You're not real, remember? Under the house, a tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, a path. Who built the tunnel, huh? The gods of the pines? Are they who is burrowing, bleeding? You have company coming, the house said, then grew quiet. Sarah turned back to the window and watched the truck come out from the trees, crawling through snow and ice in four-wheel drive. The truck stopped just outside, and Darnell stepped out with a heavy bag of groceries under each arm. See, I told you we'd come back to groceries. I'm really glad we're full circling. Yeah. I mean, she wouldn't have enough food otherwise. Anyway. Did she buy potatoes? You know, I I assume she's a smart character. So Okay, so definitely. Yeah, even like it it doesn't even need to be written into the main text. It's it's assumed. Like, it's just assumed. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. He saw Sarah watching through the window and his smile crept up into his eyes. He obviously thought she was crazy. He was probably right, whatever. But it was just as obvious he liked her anyway. She went to the door to let him in. He stomped his big brown boots on the mat, then strode inside. You've got to let me get a couple of guys out here. Fix this place up, Darnell said. He went into the kitchen, sat at the table while Sarah put the food away, like he did every time he came. Her only living contact, two years. Look at this floor, the linoleum. I mean, it's coming up anyway, and it's linoleum. It's a shame the old house is gone. You know a rum-runner house had to have a good wooden floor. As Sarah had heard it, the old house had burned down in the 70s before the current monstrosity was built, before Josephine had lived here. Bootleggers had used it on their way across the border. More fugitives. He kicked at the floor. I know a guy can get his laminate pretty cheap. I don't own the place, Sarah said, and besides, I'm just here... So you're feeling better, Darnell cut in. Yeah, but for how long, Nails? 
Even when shit's temporary, you gotta make the most of it. Don't be afraid to settle in. Don't be living life like you're on the run. That's what my dad says. Your dad left you when you were 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dark joke, magpie. <laughs> also, the most consistent laugh out of an audience when I do this, when I read this at an event. Different lines get different jokes, but that is apparently the funniest line in the story. <laughs> Will you tell it? And audience, you couldn't see Magpie's face, but she she knows it. She knows it's shade, and so she makes this face like it's really funny. <laughs> I'm being a slight jerk. I really like it. <laughs> yeah. Just like that slight shade where it's like I know I'm being an asshole. <laughs> Your dad left when you were ten. Yeah, but he wasn't afraid to settle in before he skipped town. If Sarah liked men, she would have liked Darnell. He was handsome, smart, never condescending, self-educated, alive. She'd take a dead woman over a living man, which wasn't fair to any of the three parties involved. Hey, so I got you something for Christmas, Darnell said. Solstice, Sarah corrected. Sure, pagan Christmas, whatever. He reached into his pocket, pulled out a compass, set it on the table. It's not much, right? But I was reading about the lady who lived here, how she just disappeared into the snow one day. And I grew up not too far from here, and I don't go in much for woo-woo shit, but the, the land here is cruel, dispassionate. What did you call it? Sarah asked, setting down a jar of pickles, trying not to look as startled as she was. The land don't care about us. So first I thought I'd get you a gun, but I couldn't really afford it. And besides, it might be a... Bad idea for reasons, mental health stuff. And I thought, get you a compass. You're ever lost, pick a direction and stick with it. Doesn't matter the direction. Dad teach you that too? Yeah, and he's a piece of shit, sure, but he's right sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Just fully saying, fuck that, dad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not the best dad in any of these stories. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah said. She picked up the compass. It was solid, came with a hard plastic folding lid. She slipped it into her pocket. I have something for you too, Sarah said. She went to the living room, picked up the quilt. She tied off a final thread and cut it. Yeah, she heard from the kitchen. Yeah, I'll be in town later. Tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, something came up. No, it's not a big deal. I'm fine. He was on the phone. Sarah walked back into the kitchen, clutching the quilt to her chest. Yeah, hey, I've got to go. He hung up, put the phone on the table. She stared at the phone. He stared at her. Oh, shit. Sorry, Nails. No cell phone, Sarah said. I know. I'm sorry. Here, look, I'm turning it off now. It might be too late. They might know where I am. You've got to go. If you're worried, let me stay over. I'll keep you safe. No, no sleeping over. You are friend-zoned. Friends get quilts, so don't complain. Now leave, leave. (laughs) She thrust the quilt into his hands. This is, this is amazing, Nails. I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use that. You are friend-zoned. Friends get quilts. (laughs) Yeah, so don't complain. (laughs) Yeah, and it took a long time, and I'm glad you like it. Now go. He cast a long look over his shoulder on his way out the door. It was obvious he was worried about her. That made sense. She was worried about herself, too. But not worried enough to share her bed with you. (laughs) (laughs) Respectfully, you are in the friend zone and you are not coming out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone knows and it's fine. (laughs) I actually, I really consciously, I was like, I want to write a, like, sweet story where, like, the person in the friend zone is just chill with it's just like yeah that's 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 our relationship it's fine you know yeah because i i feel like that's actually most of my experiences of of putting people in this terrible zone that is people are like oh it's the zone where i got a quilt okay like whatever you know that hasn't that has not been my experience but shout uh, out to, to your healthier relationships <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i try to write um it's utopian the story is a utopia <laughs> Yeah, I'm like that, that. That that you know who you are. That did not happen. That was there was no chill quilt situation. Oh, did they at least not get a quilt out of it? There was no quilt. That's great. I'm glad they got nothing out of it if they weren't going to handle not, it well. Nah. Yeah. Today's subtweeted episode. 
<laughs> Little personal, Sophie. Calm down. Back to the story, please. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of personal, the first time Sarah met Josephine was a summer night, not a week after the arson, while Sarah slept on her back in the bed in the house in the pines. In her dream, Josephine had been sitting on the ugly chair gazing out the window, a bottle of pills balanced precarious on the sill. Josephine had been crying, maniacal, hysterical laughter sobs that shook the house, that shook the bed, that woke Sarah up. When Sarah woke up and the pills were gone because they were the dream, but Josephine was still there, still ghostly. Hello, Sarah asked. She was too scared to be scared. What's your name? Josephine asked. Sarah Nails. I'm sorry I'm in your house. I'm not Sarah Nails. I'm glad you're here. You're something new to look at, something beautiful, like the land, like the snow, like blood, like the birds, moths, deer, death, moon. Tell me something about yourself, Sarah said. I'm dead, Josephine said. Besides that, I'm lonely. Me too, Josephine. Sarah had never seen ghosts not once in her life. She hadn't believed in them, and she hadn't disbelieved in them. Most interesting was to realize she wasn't afraid of them. The things she was afraid of were far worse than a dead woman. Will you come into bed with me? Sarah asked. I can't, Josephine said. I can't touch you. Josephine stared for a long moment, her eyes glistening with life. I can watch, though. That will do. Mm. <laughs> okay. And Go you know off. who else will watch you while you sleep? Yeah. The security systems that we advertise? Yeah, probably, to be honest. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, Sophie, I bet you didn't know this, but every week we asked our guest if there's something positive that they would like to be sponsored by. Yeah. First time hearing about that. Super interesting. Are you asking me what I'd like to be sponsored by? You are the only guest now that the other one has um, passed on from this realm. Yeah, that was awkward. The concept of giving your dog a toy or treat and the look in their eye that says, this is everything I've ever wanted and is just pure joy. That. Excellent. That is today's sponsor. The joy of a dog. And also today's sponsor, Not Getting Caught, which totally ties into the missing... Other guest. Yay. (laughs) And then all these other ones. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure 
it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. And Sophie, did you know that a few pounds of hamburger weren't enough to feed the pack of wolves? Sarah knew it. Sarah knew? Sarah knew it. I did, I, I did not know that, but I'm glad Sarah yeah. knows. She was sure that the wolves knew it. Oh. Still, she filled a big wooden salad bowl with raw pink meat and went outside. The moon was behind clouds, so she flicked on her keychain flashlight. They were waiting for her, standing 20 feet from the door. The mated pair stood still. Their children played in the snow. Teeth at throat. The same games everyone plays. Years ago, Sarah would have named the wolves. It wouldn't have been right. They didn't have names. They didn't need names. They were not pets, not companions, not friends, not enemies. They were wolves. She set the bull down on the stoop. Every time they came, it was the same. First, the mother came forward skittish. Sarah didn't go back inside, but she didn't hold out a hand either. The wolf grabbed the meat in her maw, then darted back a few feet, then looked over her shoulder and met Sarah's gaze. The pack trotted into the forest, and Sarah was alone again, with less food. Hey, Sarah, Darnell asked. He wasn't calling from his own number. That set her on edge. Yeah? I don't know how to say this, but Darnell hesitated. Some guys in suits came to my door asking about some guy. Said his name was Richard something. Hold on, I've got it written down. Richard Stillman. They were looking for Richard Stillman, Sarah knew. Stillman, Darnell said. Said uh, he might be dressed like a girl. Might be hiding out. Said, if I knew anything about that, that I should let them know that it'd be a good idea. What did you say? I didn't say shit. Didn't say yes, didn't say no. I took their business card, yeah, their FBI, and I called a lawyer, and now I'm calling you. Oh, perennial sponsor of this podcast, not talking to the feds. Well, yeah, don't talk to cops, don't talk to feds. Hi, Margaret Kiljoy here. Boy, the world sure is a mess right now, huh? Seems like every day there are more and more reasons to get out into the streets and protest. That's why, when I get arrested, there's only one strategy I trust. I shut the fuck up. I say, I would like to remain silent. I would like to talk to my lawyer. And then I shut the fuck up. In the United States of America, it's constitutionally protected and recommended by the National Lawyers Guild. That's S-H-U-T-T-H-E-F-U-C-K-U-P. Once again, that's S-H-U-T. T-H-E-F-U-C-K-U-P. Because you can't talk yourself out of custody, but you can talk yourself into a conviction. Providing identification to law enforcement required in some states and situations. Giving name and address expedient in most circumstances. Never discuss the events leading to arrest with anyone except your lawyer, doctor, or therapist. Posting pictures of protests and actions on social media may lead to complications. If you have already talked to cops or experienced confusion about talking to cops, call your attorney immediately, as these may be signs of more serious legal problems. The concept of not talking to cops does not provide legal advice, and the foregoing statements are for informational purposes only. If you have specific legal questions, consult an attorney. Sarah took a moment to still her mind. 
Best if you don't visit anymore. Thanks, Darnell. Sorry for all the trouble. Yeah, shit. I'm sorry, Sarah. Not your fault. It might have been his fault, of course. It might have been the phone thing, or God knows what else. Take care of yourself, yeah? Same to you. She hung up. They were coming. There was no way they weren't. If they weren't here now, they'd be here soon. Contingencies. She'd planned for contingencies. She went into the basement. Under the house, a tunnel, Josephine said. Not now. At the end of the tunnel, a path. There's no tunnel under the house. There was no tunnel in the basement. She'd been over every inch of it when she'd first arrived. She'd inventoried everything. She'd studied everything. The house was her own prison, and she'd searched every crack and every brick. The house was full of a lot of things, including a veritable pharmacy of expired prescriptions in the bedroom closet. Including ghosts. No tunnels. Gasoline, though. There was plenty of gasoline. Sarah found the five-gallon jugs just where she'd first seen them. She picked one up and started towards the stairs. It was heavy enough to pull her to the side as she walked. You can't solve every problem with fire. Josephine didn't usually talk to her in the basement. She didn't like the basement. Even ghosts were scared of basements. Watch me, Sarah said. Violence begets violence, the walls said. You killed people, now other people are coming for you. What would you have me do, just lay down and die? Josephine was quiet. She was thinking. Yes. No, I refuse, Josephine. You hear me? I fucking refuse. Think about Darnell. What's going to happen to Darnell if you kill the people coming after you? Sarah put the jug down at the base of the stairs and stood up straight. Nothing good, Sarah said. Is that what you want me to say? Nothing good. They'll arrest him and he'll have to prove in court he wasn't an accessory. Maybe he'll plea out and go to prison. It was never nice to get your friend locked up and worse still to do it to a black man. Exactly, Josephine said. I'm not going to prison, Sarah said. She picked up the jug and started slowly up the stairs. You don't have to go to prison. I'm not going to prison. I'm not just going to fucking kill myself, okay? The walls were silent in response. Sarah got four jugs of gas up the stairs, two by the front door for the most dramatic effect, the other two positioned best to bring down the building. She'd had plenty of time to plan the whole thing, but never let it get overcomplicated. Two kitchen timers, some flares, that was it. Might not even kill anyone. What made you do it, Sarah asked as she took the cap off the last flare. Same as you. End of my rope. I'm not at the end of my rope. I'm not going to argue, Josephine said. Sarah sat down in her favorite chair, by her favorite desk, by her favorite window. She was going to miss that chair. She was going to miss watching the wind blow the snow in the winter and the grass in the summer and the pines all year round. A man was after me, Josephine said. Her voice was quieter than usual. Eyes with fire behind them, hands with blood inside them. A gun, a gun, always a gun. A man who thought I was his. You should have fought him. He would have won, Sarah Nails. He would have won, and I would have been his, and he would be sitting in this house right now, and I would have been sitting in this house right now, and it's better to be eaten by wolves than be married sometimes. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Valid. A new theme for... Well, I guess that was more about poisoning husbands was a previous one. Wait, what did Shree, Shree, when you said that Shree goes a big sleigh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Shireen. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Wolves? So I took pills, more pills than other days, and I went out to the pines and I gave myself to the forest, the snow, the moon. Yes, the wolves. I followed the wolves. I gave myself to the wolves, not to the man. I'm sorry that happened to you, Josephine. I'm not sorry. It's not going to happen to me, though. Then the tunnel. There is no tunnel, Josephine. You're in my head. Of course. The sun set and no feds had arrived. Not yet. Sarah wished Darnell had brought her a gun after all. Sarah made herself tea, thick and black. Every light in the house was off. The half moon lit up the world and the wind blew the shadows of the trees against the wall behind her. Two flares sat on her lap. The wolves arrived and circled the house. There was no meat for them, not unless Sarah decided to die like Josephine. They bleed, Josephine said. Sarah saw her reflection in the window, but didn't turn to look back at her friend, her lover of sorts. They burrow, they break the bone. Who? Sarah asked. The pines, the land. 
Yeah, and the moon and the snow, sure, sure, Sarah said. And the wolves. The, the wolves? Sarah stood up and looked at Josephine. The ghost stared at her, her eyes moist with tears like they always were. Headlights broke through the window. Shit, Sarah said. I thought I'd have longer. Everyone always does. Sarah looked at the gas cans, bright red and plastic and out of place by the door. She couldn't do it to Darnell. There were pills enough in the bedroom, of course. She could avoid prison, at least. She didn't want to die, but it was bound to happen eventually. She walked up the stairs, her boots heavy on the ugly, faded carpet. She walked into the bedroom, opened the closet. Box after box of sleeping pills. A good night's rest, a, a long night's rest. She turned and saw two things at once. Josephine on the chair by the window. And the poster on the wall, visible through Josephine's translucence. We don't have to win, we just have to survive. Are you real? Sarah asked. I need to know, and I need to know right the fuck now. What do you think? Are you real? Are ghosts real? Is the tunnel real? A car door slammed, out of time. I love you, Sarah Nails, Josephine said. That was real enough. I love you too. Sarah sprinted for the hallway, careened down the stairs, and ran out the side door of the house, grabbing her coat from the chair as she went. The flares and the pills spilled from her hands into the snow. The wolves stood back, nervously watching her. Headlights came from the front of the house. She followed the wolf tracks around back. The wolves followed her at a distance, curious, dispassionate. Sarah traced the tracks down into the gully that marked the end of the yard. They only ran another 20 feet before they stopped, suddenly, at the side of a boulder set against the ravine's wall, the wolves' den. In the distance, there was shouting, then howling, then shooting, then a wolf screamed. It wouldn't be long. Sarah had always been small for a boy, and she got down onto her belly, and she squeezed between the rock and the earth and made it into the den, though it ripped her coat and soaked her in snow. She turned on her flashlight. There were the bones, animal bones, animal bones, and a human is an animal too. And there were the old bones and the skull. Josephine was real, and she'd given herself to the wolves. Past the midden was a tunnel, waist-high, cut by human hands into the earth, reinforced with old timber. Bootleggers. Tracks lead here, a voice called from just outside, a man's voice, low and angry. People get angry, the land doesn't. I can't fit, though. This will fit, another man said. Sarah heard gas and turned to look as a metal canister rolled into the den. Smoke. She turned her back on it and crawled. She crawled through the tunnel, which was endless until it ended. She came up in a part of the woods she'd never seen before, and the half moon showed her the path. The path, too, was endless until it ended at the shore of the lake. The lake was frozen over, and the rowboat had rotted through, and she set out on foot across the ice. It creaked, and it cracked, and it held. The bike's engine turned over, and it filled the world with its roar and Sarah Nails took off up a gravel road. She reached a fork, and she took out her compass, north. Somewhere up north was a border, and beyond that border was hope. Not a lot of it, but maybe enough. Dun, dun, dun. Look at you ending your story, hopefully. Yeah, I, I told you it's a utopian story. And the compass it was a good gift. I know. I know. Exactly. Better than a gun in this particular circumstance. Yeah. Probably for the average person, if you're thinking to yourself. Yeah. Gun or compass. Spooky but hopeful. Thanks. That's kind of, I'm like, that's kind of you, Margaret. Oh, <laughs> I know. I like way. I picked the name Killjoy at a younger stage in my life before I became a professional optimist who tells people about how why it's worth doing things. Oh, going north towards the hope. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, even like some of the stories that were written earlier in the, like the this book has a bunch of stories written over the course of about five or six years. And some of the earlier ones end a little bit uh, less hopefully. Um, And that absolutely just relates to like where I was at when I was writing these yeah. given stories. Sarah, cool people who did cool stuff. Yeah. Be like Sarah. Na Don't do anything illegal ever. Yeah. Obey all the laws. 
Yeah. Wait, wait, I have a better one. Don't do things just because someone that talks to you on a podcast suggested you do them. That's what I got. Cosign. Cosign <laughs> so hard. Oh, my goodness. This is really great, Margaret, and a great story. Uh, uh, do you want to plug where it's from one more time? Well, it's from my new book, We Won't Be Here Tomorrow, available from AK Press, which is a collection of short fiction with stories like this one. If you want to hear some of the other stories, you can actually listen to uh, about a year ago on It Could Happen Here. But you could search Margaret Kiljoy, It Could Happen Here or something, and you'll probably find For sure. two stories I wrote there also that are also in this book. But there's so many more besides. So many stories. I don't know why I'm trying to make this sound spooky. It's Halloween. Halloween. Well, yeah. thanks everyone for listening to possibly my new trick that I do whenever I do three-parters, which is throw some fiction in there. Yeah. Um, Sophie, I like it. do you have anything to plug? Like possibly, is there any like, is there anything like new I could listen to on Cool Zone Media? Like, like I like the shows that you all have. But I was mm. thinking, wouldn't it be nice if there's something new, a new voice for Cool Zone ah, Media? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for something new, we have a new podcast <gasps> called Internet Hate Machine, hosted by the one and only Bridget Todd. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.